conversion. What does it mean? Uh, Paul's conversion. What are we talking about? Well, conversion basically was we're saying is when a person believes in Christ for eternal life. Now we try to be real specific. I've heard people say you got to come to Jesus. What does that mean? What does that come to Jesus? What does, what does that mean? I mean, I don't know what that means. And and so we we want to be really uh, clear when we say that conversion is when a person believes in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Now we we could say it's when a person believes in Christ. For salvation, you could say that, but what is salvation? Salvation is getting what? Eternal life. So we want to be as clear as possible. And, and so when a person believes in Christ for eternal life, they're changed. And every one of us in this room, if you believed in Christ for eternal life, you've gone from death to life. You've gone from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. You've come from being the, the old man. It should be the old man. I mean, it sounds funny being an old person, but don't, to a new person. To, from the old, one, the old person, the old, old self to the new self as a new creation. You've gone from being a child of the devil to being a child of God. I mean, that's really all this. When did that happen? Is the moment you believed in Jesus Christ to give you eternal life. That's what it boils down to. Each person's unique, whether you're young, whether you're old. There's all different kind of ways and different things. But this morning, we're going to talk about the conversion of Paul and how he believed in Christ. And, and we'll, we'll think about his background, and we'll think about all those things, and we've seen some of that. As we think about Paul, remember, he's a Jewish man from Tarsus, trained in Jerusalem under the great Pharisee Gamaliel. He knew Roman law. He knew Jewish law. He had Roman citizenship. God was preparing him to take the message, really, to the Gentiles. Now, he would say, I go to the Jew first and also to the Greek, but he's known as the apostle to the Gentiles. Jesus Christ died and rose again, ascended into heaven, and, and then the church was formed. And at the beginning of the church age, a lot of people didn't believe in, in Jesus. In fact, a lot of the Jewish people, and here's Paul, who says he does not believe in this new way, and he begins to persecute. He made his plans that he was going to stop these people, these people who say that Jesus is the Messiah. Because at, at, at this stage, Paul would probably say, is Jesus the Messiah that goes back to the promises to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Judah, to David, all the way through? And probably Paul would say no. But if you ask Paul and you'd say, Paul, how, do, how does a person have life with God? He would say, I'm a Pharisee. And the goal is to keep the law. And then he would say, as much as possible. Because he'd say, I was blameless before the law. Meaning that whenever he sinned, he did what the law said for him to do. And that was offer certain sacrifices. So Paul would say, I'm not, uh, I, I am a sinner, but I'm blameless before God because I obey the law. Of course, if you really ask him, do you keep all of the law? And, and then if you actually said, what is the wages of sin? It's death. The Old Testament said that, the soul that sins shall die. So when Paul, uh, if you had talked to Paul before the road to Damascus, he would tell you he thought he was okay with God because he was a Pharisee. He was trying to do all the right things. And he hated the new way, these people who follow Jesus. So this morning we're going to see the change. Paul goes from being the persecutor to Paul the apostle. We're going to see Paul's salvation and his conversion. It's pretty incredible. So let's start where we are, Acts chapter 9. Here's what we see in Acts chapter 9. Now Saul, that's his other name, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. Now, we see he's going to go to the high priest to get letters. But this is what he was like. Let me read something to you. This is in Acts chapter 8. It says, now Saul was in hearty agreement putting him to death. Putting uh, That's when they killed Stephen. And he, he wanted to kill Stephen. And then it goes on to say, Saul began ravaging the church 
entering house after house, dragging off men and women, and he would put them in prison. Now, that's what Paul was doing. In his own words, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, he says, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an aggressor. I spoke against God because what he was saying is, I said bad things about Jesus and the church when he didn't realize that he spoke against God because the church and Jesus is God's. And then he was a persecutor of the church and he was an aggressor. He said, I sought to kill and destroy. Now, when we look at something like that, we'd go, wow, what was he like? Listen to this. This is Acts 22, verse 4. This is what he said. I persecuted this way to the death. That means that Paul had a hand in early Christians being put to death for their faith, binding them and putting men and women into prison. He said, my goal was to get them all and put them to death. Look at this. In Acts 26, he said, and I punished them often, in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme, and being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. Now, when when you see this, there, there's a there's an old saying that says, "the the church grows from the blood of the martyrs," and it's true. You can start killing Christians, and the church just starts multiplying. Always happens that way. Whenever the church is at safety and peace, the church doesn't grow because. We just are safe in peace. But when the persecution begins, then people begin to stand for what they believe. And say, I've been telling all of us that I think it's coming soon to our country. It's already here. A lot of the things that we see is already here, that the persecution is coming. Uh, It's coming. And they're going to say, well, the Christians are this way, and they're contrary to this, and they give misinformation, and they do this. Listen, it's coming. And you're going to have to decide what what you and me, we're going to have to decide what we're going to do. We're going to stand or not. Are we going to say we believe the Bible is God's word, is accurate and true? And they say, well, this is misinformation. Say, no, it's not misinformation. Some would say this about Paul. This man will never come to Jesus Christ. If you knew someone who was actively persecuting believers and hated believers... Would you think they would come to know Christ? We'd say, well, no, they never will. I mean, I mean, they just never will because they're, they're opposed to everything we believe. No sense in praying for that guy. Some might even say no sense in praying to, uh, for Paul to be saved because uh, we... But here's the great truth. You never know who's going to believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. You never know what God's going to do. You never know what, what's going to happen. I think Paul, let me just say this. Before we get a little further, I think Paul, and and this is, uh, you know, I've done studies on Paul's life that we did studies that last many weeks. This is not going to be that long. I've read every book I could find on Paul's life. I've read all it with letters, of course, and put it all together. I think Paul, before he was saved, I think Paul began to doubt what he believed as a Pharisee. I think he began to realize that he wasn't keeping the law and that he was falling short and that he didn't know how he was really standing up to God. And then when he saw a man named Stephen who was willing to die for Jesus Christ, and he was there holding the coats, I think Paul said to himself, would I be willing to die for the law? And I think the answer was no. I think he thought, what, what has he got that I don't have? What, who is this Jesus, and what is he doing? And I think his 
his response was, the best way I can deal with this Jesus is destroy it so I don't have to think about it anymore. So I don't have to be, be thinking about whether this is right or not. So I think, he's, I think his goal was to destroy everything he could. I think he was bothered, and if he could wipe out the name of Jesus this new way, that would help him. Well, in Acts chapter 9, look at verse 1 again. Now Saul was still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest, and he asked for letters from him, from the high priest, to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Here's his plan. He's going to go get the, the new way, the way of Jesus. And so early Christians were called the way. It wasn't until Antioch uh, that they, the believers were first called Christians at Antioch. So if you said in the first century, here's Peter and James, and, and they're, all, you know, you, they're not called Christians. They're called the way, the new way, the way because they're following the way of Jesus is basically what it was. And so here's the turning point. He says... I want letters. I want written authority from the high priest to go to the synagogues in Damascus. That's Syria. That's not Israel. He's going to foreign countries, so to speak, to hunt down the way and bind them and bring them back to Jerusalem so they can be tried and put to death. That's his plan. But here's the turning point. Look what happened Acts chapter 9, again, verse 1 and 2. Saul was breathing threats, went to the high priest. Verse 2 says he got letters from him to the Damascus at synagogue, uh, the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now watch what happened. As he was traveling, it happened that, that he was approaching Damascus. Now Damascus is one of the oldest cities in the world. There's a street in Damascus called Straight Street. It's still there. It's called the street called Straight. It's still there, and it's one of the oldest cities and one of the oldest streets in the world. He was planning to go to Damascus and go into the city in triumph and find these believers and get them. He was, he was traveling, and it happened as he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Now, it was a light. I'm going to notice this. It was a light. By the way, we're going to find that it was at noon. And, uh, and, and, and so the sun is high in the sky at noon. And all of a sudden, this light came that was so bright. It says it was a light, and it, it flashed from heaven around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him. So this light was so bright that Paul was with other people. We don't know whether he was riding, whether he was riding a horse or a mule or a do- whatever he was riding. We don't know. Most likely fell off of that. It was such a bright light that it blinded him. And he fell on the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, that's a voice. Now, by the way, from the other places, it was in Hebrew. He heard a voice in his own language, the language of Israel, the language of the Messiah and the Savior, the language of Paul, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, who, who could it be? Who is Saul persecuting? We, we'd say that he's persecuting the church, but who is the church? Jesus, the body of Christ is the church. And Jesus actually has appeared to Paul, Saul, and said, why are you persecuting me? Well, look what he says. And he said, who are you, Lord? Look what he calls him. 
Lord. Now, it's the word kurios in Greek. It could mean sir, or it could mean Lord, like deity. We're not sure what Paul is saying here. Is he saying, oh my gosh, this, this light is so blind that I, I can't even see, and who could it possibly be? And he said, who are you, Lord? Did he say, who are you, sir? Or did he say, who are you, God? Who are you? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. You know what Paul knows right then? That Jesus is alive, that he died and he rose again, that he is the Messiah and the Savior of the world. I think right there, he says, who are you? I am Jesus. I think right there is when Paul believes. I think Paul then said, this man must be the Messiah and believed in him as the, as the Messiah, the Savior, and the one who would give life. He doesn't say things right there. We're going to see it later on in other places. But Paul basically says, I think right there, who are you? I am Jesus. And then he says, but get up and enter the city, and it will be told what you must do. There's another passage where Paul says, what do you want me to do, Lord? And God says, get up and go into the city. I'm going to give you your instructions. I think right here, Paul is a believer. I don't think we've got to have a verse that's going to say, and then Paul believed in him. I think, I think he says in different places, this is, when I, this is when I saw Jesus. This is when I understood who Jesus is, is and when I believed in him. Now, watch what is so amazing. I think, I think right there, Paul has seen the risen Lord. One of the qualifications to be an apostle is you had to have seen the risen Lord. I think he sees him right here. Now, we're going to see later on in Paul's life, Paul's going to spend about three years with Jesus by himself. You go, what? Yeah, Paul's going to go to a place called Arabia. He's going to spend three years there. I think that's where Paul gets taught the Scripture, is taught how to put it together. I think Jesus shows him all these things, how it flows. And when Paul comes back, he's ready to be the apostle and, and write 13 letters. We'll talk about it a little bit later. But I think right here he says, get up. Now watch this. This is what's so amazing. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Now, in some of the other places it says they heard the voice, but they didn't understand what the voice was saying. The only one who could hear what the voice is saying is Paul, and he heard him speaking in Hebrew. And then look at this verse. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open. He could see nothing. He's blind. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. How did Paul thought he was? How did Paul think he was going to enter Damascus? How did Paul expect to enter Damascus? Proud and triumph, coming for the believers. Instead, he's blind. He's humble, and they had to lead him by his hand to come in there. And if you're Paul, you know what you could think: Will I ever see again? What blinded him? I think the light and the glory of God. I think Jesus gave him his glory, right? He said, hey, you want to see something great? Watch this. And, I mean, I think he fell, and he can't see. And they led him into, into Damascus, where he thought he was going in there and hunt down believers. He's going into Damascus blind and believing in Jesus. F.F. F. Bruce says, with astonishing suddenness, the persecutor of the church becomes the apostle of Jesus Christ. Wow. Flip over to Acts 22. 
In Acts 22, Paul actually tells his conversion. Acts 22, look at verse 6. Acts 22, verse 6 says this. Paul is talking and he says, I was going to Damascus. Verse 6 says, but it happened that as I was on my way approaching Damascus, about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me. And then he goes on to say, and I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, he's telling, he's telling his testimony, and he says, it was about noon, it was a light. He doesn't say here that it was in Hebrew, but we're going to see it later. It was in Hebrew. And he says, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, well, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. He gave him specific information. Do you think Paul was wondering who this could be? No, he knows it's Jesus. It's Jesus from Nazareth. We already saw back in Acts 9 that he called out Jesus. In this passage, he says, Jesus of Nazareth. And then look at he says, and he says, what shall I do, Lord? I think he's, I think he's saved. And look what he says. The Lord said to me, you get up, go into Damascus, and it will be, you will be told of all that God that has been appointed for you to do. What if God came to you and said, uh, go to your bedroom. When you get there, I'm going to tell you all that I have for you to do. You'd go, yes, yeah, sir, right? right? You'd go in there. Paul's going to obey. I think he's believed in the Messiah. Notice the next verse. He said, but I could not see because of the brightness of that light, and I was led by the hand by those who were with me, and I came into Damascus. Wow. Pretty powerful. It's pretty powerful for a prideful Pharisee, top-trained one, smartest one around, Roman citizen, knows everything. It's pretty humbling for him to be led into Damascus by hand, and he can't see. Now, he knows. I think he's, I think he's a, a believer. And I think he says, okay, I've been persecuting Jesus, but Jesus is the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the King. He's everything. And God says, and Jesus says, you go in there, I'll tell you what I got for you to do. Because he said, what do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? Well, go over to Acts 26, where he has another opportunity to tell somebody else about how he came to know Jesus, how he came to believe in Christ. And look at this. This is Acts 26, and this is what verses 12 and 13. Look what it says. While so engaged as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priest at midday, noontime, O king, he's talking to one of the kings, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. He said it was so bright. It was, it was, it was beyond everything. And then in verse 14, it says, we, all fall, we had fallen to the ground. I heard a voice saying to me in Hebrew, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then, here, Paul adds to it. He said, is, it, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. You go, what in the world? You know what a goad is. A goad is a stick that you prod your animals to get them to move along. And he's saying, I've been prodding you. Isn't it hard to get stuck by me? Because I think he's been saying to Paul all this time, I'm the Messiah. You're wrong. Paul won't save you. Look what Stephen did. Look what I've been showing you. And I think that 
Jesus was getting him ready that when he appeared to him on the road to Damascus, Paul knew that Jesus was the Messiah and the Savior. And, and, and he, he, he says, And I said to him, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Get up, stand on your feet. For this purpose, I've appeared to you. And I think what Paul does is he tells what he, what, what he told him later on. He may have told him some things here, but, you know, Paul put it all together. You know, when you give your testimony, it may not be exactly the exact same timeline as what actually happened. I mean, you know, I, I sometimes say that after my Bible study, I put my I believed in Jesus for eternal life. Some other times I say I was in the front seat of a car going to get a hamburger. And both are true. I don't say one in one. I say one in the other. Right? And if you gave your testimony, you're not going to use the exact same words every time you talk. And even Paul, he gives his testimony two different times, and it's not exactly the same in any place because he's just telling the story of what happened. Now, Paul would say later in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1, that he said, I have seen the risen Savior. Paul the persecutor becomes Paul the apostle. Look at this right here. This is what Paul says. It is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Would you agree with that? So Paul's right, right? And who are the sinners? Okay, so Christ came into the world to save sinners. Paul says, among whom I am what? I'm foremost. He said, I'm top sinner. So the the, the worst you could possibly be is number two, right? And then he says this, yet... For this reason, I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost sinner of all, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. He says, I'm the example, being the worst sinner of all, the example of anyone who would believe in Christ for eternal life. Basically saying, if he could believe in Jesus for eternal life, then anybody can believe in Jesus for eternal life. Wow. All who would believe in him for eternal life. That's, that's what he's talking about. And then Acts, it goes on to say he was appointed as a minister and he's supposed to do all this thing. And we, we could put it this way. If Paul, number one sinner, can be saved, all others could be saved. Now, we saw in Acts chapter 9, Paul believes in Jesus on the road to Damascus. We saw in Acts 22, Paul giving his testimony of believing in Jesus on the road to Damascus. In Acts chapter 26, we see Paul giving his testimony of believing in Jesus on the road to Damascus. Can you tell how you believed in Jesus for eternal life? I'm going to put pressure on you. Could you come up here and tell somebody how you put your faith in Christ, how you believed in him for eternal life? And most, most well, okay, good. I'm not asking you to come up right now. <laughs> most people think they can. And we ask them in one of our classes that Brian teaches, he asks them, write out your testimony. And you would not believe what disasters they are. I'm, I'm just telling you the truth. They're disasters. You read it and you don't even know what they're saying. And when you get to the part about salvation, it says, and I believed in Jesus. And that's one line. And then the whole rest of it is something else. And you go, what happened? When did you? And, and, and here's the key I want you to see. When you give your testimony, it's not how you used to live and now how you live. It is what you used to believe 
and now what you believe. It's not lifestyle. It's the message. You're telling people how you believed in Christ for eternal life. Not how you used to live bad, then you believed in Jesus, and now you live good. Because when you do that, people think salvation is being good, going from being a bad person to being a good person. No, salvation is believing in Jesus Christ for eternal life. So let me, oh, time's running out. So let's do this. Let's understand that we are saved when we believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Paul is the example of one who believed in Jesus for eternal life. He's the example. Paul says that God set me forth to be the example, number one sinner of all time, to be the example, so that you could see that he's the example of those who believe in Christ for eternal life. Salvation is a gift by faith in Jesus Christ. That's, that's what it is. It all boils down to that when you believe in him and you have eternal life. Notice this one. Let's be ready to tell others how we believed in Jesus for eternal life. And let me tell you what you could do. Go home. Go home and, not right this second, but go home and sit down with a piece of paper and say, okay, what if I was talking to someone? What would I say to them on how my story, my testimony of when I believed in Christ for eternal life? What would I say? Write it down. In fact, if you want to, write it down, bring it to me. I'll look at it. I'll go, that's terrible. Put that, you know. <laughs> it may be really good. Who knows? I'm just making that up. And look at this. It's not how our lives has changed but how what we believe has changed. See, I give my testimony and I say that I thought you had to be good to go to heaven and you had to do more good than bad. That's what I believed. And then I understood Jesus died and rose again and I believed in him, I'd have eternal life. So now I believed in Jesus, I believed in Jesus to give me eternal life. It's not lifestyle. In fact, I lived better as an unbeliever than as a believer sometimes because I had to live good. I had to live good because I thought you had to be good. Now, now I know that you don't have to be good. <laughs> not to go to heaven, I'm, I'm talking about salvation, okay? But you have to be good to, in the Christian life. Okay, uh, let's pray for others to believe in Jesus for eternal life. Because guess what? If Paul can be saved, anybody you deal with, even the people that seem to be the most contrary to what you believe and are most aggressive against you, you never know what God's going to do.